Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is really good to be with you wherever you're at. We're glad, really glad to worship with you today. I'm Jim and I serve as a pastor and a host for our experience, this worship together. Today, we're excited to explore and go deeper again into our series on the Apostles' Creed. This is week eight. Uh, Pastor Spencer will lead us through the message, through the scripture, as we explore what we believe and why. And again, we're wrapping it up today, so we have a lot to look forward to. God has a message for us all. If you're a guest with us today, we're especially glad you're with us. Thanks for being with us. We have a gift for you. We would love to, uh, to give that to you. Check in with us and we'll send the gift to you right away, send it right out. And it's a, it's a, it's gonna say Schweitzer, it's a Starbucks digital gift card. We'll send that right out to you and you can enjoy some brew on us. And regarding the message today, if you'd like to go deeper and we encourage you to do that, go to the link schweitzer.church next. And we have sermon discussion questions and so much more. So it's the opportunity to go deeper. Uh, you'll love it. Check it out. Thanks for doing that. And now let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie. She's going to tell us more, as she does each week, how to stay connected here. What's going on here at Schweitzer? Hi, I'm Stephanie. This week marks the beginning of Lent with Ash Wednesday, and we will be having an in-person service in the sanctuary at 6 p.m. This will be a special time together as we enter the Lenten season. The service will be less than an hour and will include music, a brief message, and the imposition of the ashes. We look forward to seeing you there. Starting next Sunday, we have several new ways for you to engage and connect. First, it's time for us to replenish our Flourish Food Pantry at Schweitzer. You can find a list of needed items on our website at schweitzer.church/flourish. We're looking for things like pasta, beans, and paper products. You can drop off any or all of these needed items between March 6th and March 20th. Speaking of Flourish, it continues to be a great community outreach. And as a church that is community focused, we also wanna talk about what racial reconciliation looks like in Springfield. Beginning next Sunday at 6.30 p.m., Pastor Jason will be leading a book study called Be the Bridge. We would love to have you join us in discussing this topic during Lent. You can find out more by talking to Pastor Jason, or you can sign up online at schweitzer.church next. Last but not least, next Sunday, Grief Share begins. This group will meet on Sunday afternoons from 2.30 to 4.30 throughout the spring semester. It's not always easy for us to talk about grief and how it affects us, but this study will provide tools to navigate the journey after the loss of a spouse, parent, child, or friend. During this group, you'll be surrounded by a team of caring individuals who have also experienced loss. This group is open to anyone in our community. You can find out more by stopping by the Grief Share table today or you can go online and find out more at schweitzer.church slash griefshare. Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks so much for keeping us connected. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. Let us know you're here. Say hi to your friends. Give us your insights. We really appreciate hearing from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button 
access that. We have people who would love to pray with you. Receive the gift of prayer. And now on this day that God has given us, let's worship together. Let's engage with God. Let's enjoy each other. Let's worship.
It is so good to pray together. This week in our prayer time, uh, again, we give thanks to God for the gift of prayer, for relationship and how our relationship with God and others grows and changes in, in really good ways through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, relationships through the power of prayer. So today, as we explore the Apostles' Creed, we confess, we affirm that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And so more than believing, let's practice forgiveness uh, today. And perhaps uh, the person that it may be hardest to forgive, and I'll just kind of put myself out there, is sometimes myself. We can be really hard on ourselves. So maybe we need to forgive ourselves, uh, forgive someone else, or ask for God's wisdom in, um, in a blind spot that, that maybe we have where we've hurt or harmed somebody. Uh, and we, uh, we may be given the insight as to how to approach that with God and another person, a relationship. But again, we'll just, we'll rely on God to help us in the practice of forgiveness. So in a time of silence, I invite us to uh, be, uh, be still with God and uh, seek forgiveness uh, where that may be for us. Let's pray. Holy God, and kind, kind Father. We thank you for the, the promise that we are forgiven. We thank you that we can seek you just as we are, to be vulnerable and open to the healing power of your forgiveness. So God, we, we just really seek uh, your help and wisdom and discernment in the, uh, the practice of forgiving that helps us to live forward in life live in faith that is uh, vital and healthy. And so God, we, again, we thank you for forgiveness and uh, just help us uh, to forgive others, to include ourselves. Lord, we love you, we praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us. Long ago, we prayed with humility and confidence this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, it is so good to give back to God out of all that God gives to us. God is generosity. God's character is to give and give and give. And as we receive, we're compelled uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, to give back to God uh, our gifts and tithes and offerings. We so appreciate your generosity. It really, really matters. Uh, for example, uh, last weekend on Saturday, there was a women's brunch. 90 women gathered here to experience the Lord's Prayer, to really dive into it in a new and fresh way. They gathered to rekindle old friendships, to create new ones, experience community and encouragement, 
And your generosity makes experiences like this possible, again, coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But we so appreciate your giving. It really impacts lives. And so we can continue to give each week by going to the link schweitzer.church/give. Thanks so much for doing that. And now, now let's uh, let's listen. Let's experience together. It's week eight of the Apostles' Creed, Creed as we wrap up this series. Let's watch. I believe in God, believe the, Father in God Almighty, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. Uh, Today is part eight of our series on the Apostles' Creed. That's part eight of eight. This is our last week. We're wrapping this up today. Of course, the Apostles' Creed is what all Christians in all places at all times have believed. And so this is the basic confession of Christian faith. And as we've walked through the Creed, we've really been asking two questions each week. What is it that we believe and why? What do we believe and why? So next week, we'll start a new series. It's called The Spirit-Filled Life. We're going to be reading an extended, deep, lengthy teaching that Jesus has about the Holy Spirit and the difference it makes in our life. And that will start that next week, go through Lent and Easter um, as, we, as we explore what Jesus teaches. But today, we're going to wrap this up, uh, this, this last last uh, section on the, on the Apostles' Creed. And as, as we're wrapping this up, of course, we're in the last section of the Apostles' Creed. And the last section of the Creed goes like this. We say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's the last uh, section of the creed. And, and it's, it's tempting as you read this last section of the creed to, to see that maybe this last section is just a bunch of things that got kind of left over. It's the leftover pile because it's like, I believe the Holy Spirit, yeah, 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 and the, and the church and uh, resurrection of the body and forgiveness of sins, like all these other things we start to add on uh, at the end of the Apostles' Creed. And, and it's tempting to kind of see it that way. It's this disconnected, disjointed little part of the creed. But really what we see with this last bit of the Apostles' Creed is that this last section is, is really describing the Christian life. This is what it is to, to follow and to know Jesus. And, and of course, what holds it together is the Holy Spirit, which is why this part of the, the creed starts with that line, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Christian life and, and how this works. And so since we're in the last, um, last uh, week of the series, we're gonna look at the last three lines of the creed where we say that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's where we're going today. The forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, life everlasting. That's what we're going to cover today as we talk about salvation and this new life we have in Christ. And so as we get going, let's start with the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Of course, the Bible has so much to say about the forgiveness of sins. I mean, you read this all over the place in the Bible, how God forgives us and is patient with us and forgives us and loves us. And, 
and uh, offers us forgiveness. One of the best places to go maybe is, is Ephesians chapter two. It's this great passage about um, our, our forgiveness and our need for forgiveness. And, and it's this famous, famous passage. So let's go to Ephesians chapter two and read what the Apostle Paul teaches us about the forgiveness of sins, this free gift that God gives us in the forgiveness of sins. And here's how it goes. Ephesians chapter two, I'm gonna start in verse one. It goes like this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, in these first two verses, we're gonna read eight more, 10 verses total, but in these first two verses, there are uh, four words that are used here uh, in, in repetitive. One word's used four times, and I, I hope you caught it because it's so important as you start to talk about the forgiveness of sins. And that word that we read here four times in these, in these first two verses is the word uh, you. You. It says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed uh, the ways of this world. And so as we start off here, we have this, this simple idea that this is about, can you guess who? It's about you. It's about me. It's about all of us. There is no one who this isn't about. And so as we're going to talk about forgiveness of sins today, we start here with the reality of why our sins need to be forgiven. And we talk about sin. And as we talk about sin, one of the very first things that we need to recognize is that sin is a problem for all of us, not just some of us. This is, this is true for absolutely all of us, for me and for you and for everyone else. And, and sometimes we're tempted to maybe think that when we read about sin or talk about sin, we're talking about someone else's sin, someone else's problems, someone else's selfishness and greed and someone else's anger. But really what we're doing is when we talk about sin is we're talking about our own problems. This is about you. It's about me. It's about all of us. There's no one that this isn't about. And so as we read through here, we have to remember this is about us. It's about you. It's about me. It's about all of us. So this is what we read next. Verse three, it says, all of us, all of us, no one is excluded from this. All of us. This isn't just about other people or some other folk over there or, or, the, or the bad people out in the world. No, this is about all of us. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That is God's wrath. So because of our sin, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. And so as we talk about the forgiveness of sins, first, we need to understand our own problem of sinfulness. And as you read through Ephesians 2, this, this incredible passage we're about to get to, this incredible passage about God's love, it starts with this really stark understanding of what it means to be human, this this common experience we all have of sin. And, and oh my goodness, Ephesians 2, Paul, when he writes this, he doesn't mince words. Like there's no sparing our feelings here. This is harsh language that, that because of our sin, we have disobeyed God. We have gone against him. We've gone towards the world. And, and because of this, we are deserving of God's wrath. We are deserving of the punishment of sin because we have, have lived in this. And so we start with this really harsh, harsh statement about, about the reality of sin. And and you know, you come to this, and I, I realize that this is not a very popular way to way to talk. That this is not something we we you know expect and, and like to to be confronted with this truth. But but we need to be confronted with this truth to understand the the gravity of the situation. Because you can't appreciate forgiveness of sins if if you first don't understand the gravity of the situation that all of us were by nature 
uh, deserving of God's wrath, that this is, that this is true for us. We have a sin problem. And, and again, I, I get that there's pushback to that because, because we don't want to be confronted with that truth that we, all of us, not just you know people sit next to us, but all of us have a sin problem because we, we like to downplay the reality of the sin in our own life. We upplay it in other people's life, but we downplay it in our own life. And so we talk about the reality of sin, whether it's selfishness or greed, lust, betrayal, anger, whatever it might be. However, we deal with it and experience it. The reality is all of us have it living in opposition to God, living for ourselves. And a lot of times when we experience sin, we, we downplay it. And so we say things like, you know what, I, you know, I, I lose my temper at somebody, I yell at somebody, I gossip about somebody, and I hurt them with my words. And, and you know, we don't own up to the reality of our sinfulness. We like to say things like, you know what, I made a mistake. You know, I made a mistake. We, can we downplay the reality of our sinfulness by saying, you know, it's not that I sinned against somebody, I actually just, I just made a mistake. And I'm like, well, that's not quite accurate. You know, a mistake is like when you take the wrong exit on a highway, Sin is, a, is about something far deeper and far more serious, which is why we are, by nature, deserving of God's wrath. And again, I know this is not a popular way to, to talk. It's not something we want to hear. So it's like, you know, welcome to church. Let's talk about how bad we are. In fact, one time I was preaching through Ephesians chapter 2, this passage in particular, and I paused and I made the same points. This is about us. You know, we can't downplay our sinfulness. And this person afterwards, she comes up to me in the lobby of our church, and, and she, she kind of gets a little aggressive to me. She says, you know, I... I don't need to come to church to be reminded about how bad I am. And I, I kind of nod my head, okay, I, I hear you. I mean, I was just reading from the, from the Bible. I don't need to come to church to, to, to be reminded how bad I am. And I, and I kind of just asked back, I said, well, why do you come to church? And this woman, as she's getting mad at me for preaching this, this reality about sin, she said, I, I come to church so that I can be reminded to do good things and be inspired by this. And I, I kind of asked her for an example. She said, I, you know, I, I need to be inspired, you know, to, to be more patient or kind or loving to someone. And, and I was having this conversation in the lobby of the church. So I wasn't, you know, fully, you know, with great responses at the time. And so I was thinking to myself, at least afterwards, I was thinking to myself, because that's when I usually have the best thoughts is after the conversation's over. But I was thinking to myself afterwards, it's like, that response you just gave me is the exact reason why we need to talk about the reality of our sin. Because the, the mere fact that, first of all, you need to be reminded to do good things or inspired to do good things is proof of the problem that we all have with sin, that we have all wandered away from the Lord, we have disobeyed, we've gone our own path, and we have to be reminded and inspired by that is point, point right there, that, that we have a problem. And, and the second problem with this is when you downplay this, this sinfulness, you don't want to be reminded about how bad you are, as this woman said to me. The second problem is that whenever you do this, you downplay your own sinfulness, you don't want to, rea- to, to think about the reality of the biblical truth about ourselves. You always, always, always end up then with self-righteousness. And do you know where self-righteousness leads? Self-righteousness always leads to judgmentalism and legalism. Never to joy, never to peace, never to confidence in Christ. Always to judgmentalism and legalism. That's where it leads. We need to be reminded of our, of our, of our reality that this is true about us. Now, of course, this is not the end of the story. You know, we don't just come here to hear how bad we are, but we need to understand the reality, the gravity before we can hear the good news. And the good news keeps going here. The very next verse in Ephesians chapter two, I mean, tells us the good news. Verse four, listen to these great words. It says, but because of his, that is God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, It is by grace you have been saved. The word grace, it means gift. It is by this gift that you've been given that you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then comes verse 8, famous, famous verse. If you're reading from your Bibles, you need to underline this verse. It's so famous. Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is by God's gift that this has happened to you through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the forgiveness of sins. That while we had this problem of sin, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. We've lived our lives for ourselves. What God does for us is he sends his own son as a sacrifice for us, dies a death on the cross on our behalf and is raised again. And now because of this, we have this free gift of the forgiveness of sins. It's good news. It's good news. We have this free gift of the forgiveness of sins. And, and because of this, now we are a church that we believe, as the Apostles' Creed says, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And, and, and that might sound really obvious, but you know what? There's actually some implications to that that are really important, that, that are helpful even to be named. What, why does it matter that we are a church that believes in the forgiveness of sins? Well, think about a few things here. Think about, for instance, because we are a church that believes in the forgiveness of sins, that means that we are a church that believes that it is only and solely and exclusively through the work of Jesus Christ that we receive this forgiveness of sins. We believe that it's through his death and resurrection on the cross, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that we receive this forgiveness of sins. And so therefore, we are a church that believes that we cannot do anything. We cannot earn this. It's not up to good works. It's not like there's the scale that somewhere is getting weighed that gives us this forgiveness of sins. We don't deserve this in the slightest bit, and yet God has given us this gift. And so we believe that, that this is fully through him. And so therefore, we don't have a message of legalism, of proving ourselves to God and obeying all the rules in order to get to God, but rather we have a message that's for absolutely everyone, that God offers us this free gift of salvation. This is one of the things that we believe because we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Another thing that we believe because of this forgiveness of sins, because we believe in forgiveness of sins, is that we believe that the church is for absolutely everyone. Because in our church, as we believe in the forgiveness of sins, you know, our church is, is not full of perfect people. Because each one of us, all of us, have also received this forgiveness of sins ourselves. Because as for us, as we started here, this is all about us. It's not about other people. It's not about people in the world who are doing bad things. This is about us. And because this is about us and we recognize our own need to be forgiven, you know what we do is we open the front door of our church wide and we say to everyone that you are welcome here. This is for you. This is for me. This is for absolutely everyone because we're all in the same boat. Everyone is welcome because everyone stands in need of forgiveness of sins. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we affirm every action from everybody. Of course not. But what it does mean is that it doesn't matter what your life looks like or has looked like or, or, or what mistakes you might have. Rather, what this really means is that everyone is welcome and included and invited to a relationship with Jesus because of what he has done. And there is this gift for all of us because we all stay in the same place to be forgiven of our sin. This is incredible news. So you might be somebody, maybe you have a past. Maybe you've got things in your, in your past that you don't want to revisit. And you wonder, I wonder if there's a place for me at Schweitzer. And I could tell you, yes, there is because we believe in the forgiveness of sins. 
that you, just like everyone else, are welcome here because we all stand before God exactly the same, receiving this gift that we don't deserve, that our sins might be forgiven. Now, as we confess this, that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, this leads us to the next line in the Apostles' Creed, that we also believe in the resurrection of the body. And that will lead, of course, to how we believe in life eternal, that the forgiveness of sins is giving us this hope for for life that will stretch into eternity. And so we have this, this hope now. Now, the resurrection of the body is, as we think about this resurrection of the body, this is what we receive um, for eternity as we, as we now have received this forgiveness of sins. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the death and resurrection of Jesus and about how his resurrection, as we believe, is not just a, a metaphorical thing that happened way back then, but is actually something that literally physically happened. We believe that Jesus really died and that Jesus really rose from the dead. And because Jesus really died and because Jesus really rose from the dead, we too can receive this resurrection in our own lives. And so when we talked about Jesus' death and resurrection, we talked through um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a great teaching about the resurrection of Jesus and all that it accomplishes. And, and part of that teaching as well is about what this means for us. So I'm gonna go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and read a little bit to us today about, about what this means for us because Jesus' resurrection is gonna be shared with us as our sins have been forgiven. And so here's some of what 1 Corinthians 15 teaches about what it means to be resurrected, have this resurrection of the body. So here's what we read. This is verse 35, we're gonna start here. It says, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of bodies will uh, they come? So, so in other words, what does it mean to be resurrected, have the resurrection of the body? What does this look like? What does this mean? How do you explain this? What is this? What is this? What, how do we think, think about this? And so let's, let's read through here. Verse 36. Paul, who's writing this, he says, How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There's also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star and splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So that's a really confusing passage. But what Paul's doing here is he's answering this question about the resurrection of the, of the body, and he's giving a metaphor. And he's saying, okay, what will the resurrected body look like? What will it be like? Well, it's like a seed is to a plant, let's, a tree, let's say. Like you look at a seed and then you look at a tree and you think to yourself, how in the world did that tree come from that seed? I mean, there's just this unimaginable difference between this little bitty seed and this giant tree that you see. And they're so different. And yet they come from the same place. They're, they're related in identity. There's this continuity between them. And this is what Paul is saying is like the resurrected body, it will be so different than our physical bodies. And yet there's this continuity of who we are, this, this, this identity that we share that is, that is shared between us. And so this, this hope that we have of this seed that turns into this a tree, um, it gives us a hope for, for eternal life. And so we keep reading here. We go, we go forward a little bit here, verse 51, and, and Paul talks about the hope that the resurrection of the body gives us. And so he says this, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 
in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so we have the resurrection of the body, this hope that we have that in the end, Jesus, as he returns, as we live with him in eternity, that our bodies are resurrected. It's a message of hope. And we have this, of course, because our sins have been forgiven. And this leads us to the last line of the Apostles' Creed, where we believe in life everlasting. Now, when we say that we believe in life everlasting, we're not just saying that we believe that we're going to live forever. Like, we're not just talking about how long we're going to live. That's not really what this is about. Really, as we talk about life everlasting, we're talking not just about the quantity of how we're going to live forever, but we're really talking about something even deeper. We're talking about the quality of the life. Because this is the life that we receive from Jesus. And as you think about how Jesus talked about the life that he gives us, it's rarely about the quantity, how long you're going to live, even though we believe we'll live forever. It's, it's moreover about the quality of what that looks like in our lives, even starting today. Let me show you. Let's go to John chapter 10. And I want to show you what Jesus says about the kind of life that he gives to his followers. So John chapter 10, here's what we read. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. So Jesus, in just a minute, is going to be talking about the life that he gives. But he starts with a parable, a story here about sheep and a pen and, and robbers. And, and all this is going to come together to explain the life that he gives to his followers, the promise of life that he gives to us. So um, he tells us the story, uh, verse 2. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will turn, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And then verse seven, Jesus keeps going. He says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, so Jesus is using this parable to describe how he leads his people and, and what it is that he provides for them. In Jesus' day, uh, shepherding was not like a you know, a 40-hour work week with a 401k kind of job where you go home in the evening and sleep in a nice bed and then come back the next day refreshed, ready to go again. No, shepherding was something you did all the time. In fact, what the shepherd would do is he would lead his sheep from the pasture in at night into the pen and, and put them in the pen for safety. And, and across the, the uh, threshold of the pen, the gate area wasn't actually a gate that would swing open, but was where the shepherd himself would lay down over the course of the night uh, across the threshold in order to protect the sheep from robbers or from anything 
anything that might come to harm them. And then as the sheep wake up in the morning, the shepherd is there and he leads them out to find green pasture and to find quiet waters. And he protects them during the day. He leads them back at night and protects them. And so as Jesus is talking about, he's talking about himself. He's talking about this parable. He's really saying that this is what it means to have salvation. This is what it looks like to be saved. Is like, like a shepherd is protecting and leading and guiding his sheep. This is what I do when you belong to me, that I protect you and I guide you and I lead you. And this is what I offer you. And, and so as this in mind, Jesus then has this next line, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, a famous, famous, famous verse. I've quoted it to you so many times, but immediately following this parable and describing Jesus' actions, this is what Jesus says about the kind of life that he gives to his followers. So John 10, 10, he just says this. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or some translations say abundantly. This is why I have come. There's ones who's trying to steal from you, but I've come that you might have not just a life that goes on forever, but a life that is abundant. Now let's break this down a little bit more and think about this life that Jesus wants to give us. This is the life everlasting. What does this mean? What does this mean to have this kind of life? Now remember, John didn't write this in English. This is a translation from original Greek. In the original Greek, there are two main words in, the, in, the, in that time of uh, Greek writing that could have been used for the, this word life. It's usually translated as life. Um, one is the Greek word zoe, and the other is the, the Greek word bios. Now, bios, you can probably imagine, is where we get the word biology. It's about like cells and matter and breath, and it's about birth and death and, and, and actually just kind of what it is to be alive. And that is not the word that Jesus used when he talks about this gift of life that he gives, because he's not saying that I'm just going to give you a life that goes on forever. There's more to it than just you're going to live forever. There's far more to it. Instead, Jesus is saying something else, and this is why he uses this other word, this other Greek word, zoe, which is really not just about how long life is going to go, but it's more about the quality of life. Because zoe is about, is about the satisfaction we have in life. It's about the joy we have in life, the peace. It's about, it's about the kind of life we live, not just that we're just taking another breath and we're just going through another work week and we're paying another bill and we're going through the motions. No, Jesus is offering us the kind of life that is overflowing with joy. It's overflowing with peace. It's to the brim with contentment. It's giving us all kinds of satisfaction and meaning and purpose. That's the kind of life that he's offer us. It's not just that we're going to live forever. It's that we're going to live this life of meaning and purpose forever. And this is the promise that Jesus gives us. So as we affirm the life everlasting. We're not just affirming that we live forever with resurrected bodies because we've been forgiven our sins. We're really affirming this promise that Jesus gives us of life to the full. Now, of course, there is a, a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy to lead us away from this life, this promise that Jesus gives us. But this is the promise that's for, for all of us. And this promise, again, it's not just that you're going to receive this when you die and go to heaven, but but this is a promise that he gives us even for now because the life everlasting is not just about heaven, it's also about our lives beginning today. Because what Jesus wants for us is he wants for us to live the kind of life that is brimming and overflowing and is uh, abundantly full of his joy and peace and love. It's the kind of life that, 
that isn't distracted by you know, all that the world offers, but rather is laser focused and is, is able to live in the purpose and the meaning that God has for them. It's, it's the kind of life that's, that's not living in bitterness and, and regret and hurt from past relationships, but instead is the kind of life that is full of generosity and forgiveness and love, even for our enemies and those who have hurt us. That's the kind of life he gives to us. It's not the kind of life where, where we are just always overwhelmed and stressed by all that the world brings against us, but rather is the kind of life that lives with a peace that passes understanding. This is the abundant life that Jesus offers to us. And it's a life that is everlasting, and it's a life that starts now. And so in the Apostles' Creed, we, we close with these lines of, we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And what we're really describing is not how we're going to live forever, how long we're going to live, but rather we're describing the kind of life that you and I can begin to experience today. Because the truth is, there is a Father, a maker of heaven and earth, who loves you dearly, so much that He gave His one and only Son, that He might be a gift for you, and that through His death and resurrection, you can find a new kind of life, one that's now filled with the Spirit, overflowing with joy and contentment and peace, one that's trusting God no matter what it is that the world might be throwing at us because this is the new life that we have in Christ. And, and this is what we mean when we say that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now today as we close, we're going to close as we have in every other week and we're going to say a prayer together and then I'm going to join, ask you to join me as we affirm these words of the Apostles' Creed. We say them together and affirm what all Christians in all places at all times have also believed. So let's pray together. Father, today we give you thanks that you offer us a forgiveness of sins. And that first of all, we recognize the, the depth of our sinfulness and where we stand with you. We recognize that we do and truly need to be forgiven. And for anyone today who's not experienced that forgiveness, doesn't know the joy that comes with that, Lord, I just a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sins? Would you lead my life? We want, to, we want to cross that line of faith and begin to trust and follow you with our lives. And as we do this, God, we expect and we hope and we, we, we wait to, to receive this promise of life abundant that you offer to your followers because this is a, the kind of life that is sealed in knowing that we are beloved by you and that therefore we can face anything because we know that you are with us and through your Holy Spirit, you fill us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. So friends, if you would, join with me as we affirm our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's been an awesome day of worship. Thanks so much for being here. And a special thanks to Stephanie uh, for keeping us connected, telling us what's going on here, all, of, all the good stuff happening here at Schweitzer. Also to the worship team, thanks for uh, centering us in God, engaging us in worship. We really appreciate you. Spencer, of course, for the message. 
so encouraging, so hopeful. Thanks so much. And if you know somebody who would uh, benefit from this message, share it on social media. We really appreciate you doing that as well. And we're looking forward to seeing you back here next week for the new series, The Spirit-Filled Life. It's going to be awesome. Before we go, though, I have one other quick message to share with you, and you have a great week. Hi, everybody. It is good to be with you as always. I'm here today to share some exciting news that the Masons have uh, for all of us, Roxanne and I, and what's going on in our lives. And, but first, let's look back. Roxanne and I came to uh, Schweitzer, returned to Springfield after uh, traveling the world in the military, came back to Springfield, a community that we love. Uh, we went to college here, Go Bears, and we settled in uh, to this beautiful uh, place, uh, the Ozarks, and right here in, in the city. And we asked people, uh, where could we uh, grow in our faith? And the friends in our neighborhood said, I'd check out Schweitzer, try Schweitzer, and we are so glad we did. It has been an awesome experience for us and still is. I came to faith here and people, uh, pastors, seasoned saints, friends, we made so many friends and continue to do so and they poured into us. And that faith has led us to this season of life, to everything there is a season, the season of life where we're heading into what we call mostly retired, mostly retired. We're heading into a new adventure that God has for us. We believe that God always has more for us. And so we're going to do more of what we love to do, which is hike and travel and serve. We're going to serve in new and fresh ways uh, all over our community and especially here at Schweitzer. I'm really excited to lean into more, I'm more compelled to lean into teaching here, teaching uh, all about uh, God and God's character, faith, and so much more. All that I have received over the years, which is such a tremendous gift, I hope to share with others as I continue my faith journey, Roxanne too. For us, retirement means shifting. And for us, this means enjoying more of God's creation and playing pickleball too. See you on the courts. Thanks so much, Schweitzer Church.
night was my cry, dark midnight was my cry, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you It's true.